Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at You ready? You sure? Okay, how many are you ready for the message? All right, you, re- you ready to shout me down? All right. Some of you are not going to like me for the first 15 minutes, but just it's going to get better, okay? Uh, research shows that most people in this room, everyone say this room, most people in this room complain once a minute during a typical conversation. Not, a, not me, right? It's funny, I was, I was preparing my heart and mind for this message. This morning, I had a conversation with Shane. It was about seven o'clock this morning. We had a great conversation and I complained twi- twice. Twice, twice, you know, I tried to talk. Complaining is kind of woven into the fabric of the human condition outside of Christ. This is what the Bible tells us. Complaining, the reason why we do it, uh, we want to process our deep frustrations. Anyone had a frustration this last week? Four of you, okay, all right. Complaining is, is something that, that it's, it's a habit um, that we practice. The, your brain, if you don't know this in neuroscience, uh, wants efficiency. And so neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more you do a particular activity, if it's complaining or thanking God or watching football or whatever, the more your brain wants to do it, wants to cut the friction. It's, it's malleable, your brain is. And so we, we understand this. But the reason why many of us complain is because it feels good. I knew no one was going to give me amen on that one. Right? It's like eating a pound of bacon in the morning. Feels good with some maple bars. How many love maple bars? Like we like it, right? So complaining, the reason why we do it, obviously when we, we want to give full vent to frustrations that are in our heart. I think it's important that we process those things. But if we're not careful, complaining can become a lifestyle. And what we know about complaining is that it's not good for you. So all the research that, I, I haven't done the research myself, but the research that I've researched and taken a look into, uh, complaining, and it's pretty unanimous with all the experts out there, complaining damages areas of your brain. So the evidence, and some of the evidence is like, ah, I don't know, like there's some stuff out of Stanford, some other, you know, universities that have researched this topic, uh, but, I, but I think they're, they're trending in the right direction when they say that complaining Um, or there's evidence that complaining shrinks the hippocampus. This is the area of the brain that that, um, controls your critical reasoning skills and your capacity for intelligence. So complaining, there's an intrinsic link in your brain between complaining and shrinking of the physical nature of your brain. And guys, this explains Dallas Cowboy fans. It's called brain damage. Could you pray for us? So complaining leads to brain damage, um, but the disastrous effects of complaining doesn't just stop with the effects on the brain and the shrinking of the brain. Complaining also releases cortisol, the stress hormone, which raises your blood pressure and blood sugar. All of this extra cortisol, are you guys with me? In your body impairs your immune system. And makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and makes you more vulnerable to other diseases. So, of course, I'm not in neuroscience today. I'm not your your psychologist. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze any of us here today. Nor am I a doctor. Obviously, I am your pastor. But I just want to make the case. I think God wants us to live healthy lives. God wants to take care of your soul, but he also, we say this often, God wants to take care of the whole of your personality, the whole of your embodied existence, mind, will, emotions. I think it's really important that we understand that. So why are we talking about complaining? Well, because it's, it's a setup for us to talk about the most essential feature of following Jesus, and it's learning the art or the practice of giving thanks. So give me five minutes, I'm going to talk about complaining, and then I'm going to get to the good stuff. So the question is, what is complaining? If you trace 
Complaining back, or it's etymology back to his Latin roots. Complaining means lament. It means protest. So most of the time when we come to the Bible, the Bible views complaining. Everyone say complaining. Complaining, if it's not done right, as a serious offense. Not just a minor one. In fact, the Bible says that Yahweh in the Old Testament refused to allow his people to enter into the promised land, not because they were axe murderers, not because they were psychopaths, and most definitely not because they were Raider fans. God refused entrance into the promised land because they were complainers. In fact, they complained 10 times. What's interesting, that parallels the 10 plagues or the 10 acts of judgment against Egypt. In other words, the connection is complaining is to be like Egypt. Complaining is to allow your heart to be given over to a dark purpose. Now, let me just say this on the side really quick. Lament or complaint is important in the Bible. When we come to the book of Psalms, everyone say the book of Psalms. You have this labyrinth of complaints. 40%, actually over 40% of the Psalms are complaints to God. Psalm 13 says, how long, O Lord, will you forsake me? So there's complaints woven into the Psalms directed towards God, directed towards enemies, directed towards life, directed towards dogs, Psalms, it sometimes feels like a bad country song. And if you like country music, we will pray the demon out of you at the end of the service, all right? So the point is, and I want to make this very clear, that God wants you to give full vent to your frustration. The problem is that we don't know how to direct our complaint and our protest. We usually talk to somebody on the phone. We usually have a conversation at Starbucks or, you know, we, we spend time with our family members. Thanksgiving's coming up and some of you are like, oh boy, please have mercy. There's going to be a lot of complaints, a lot of talk about religion, politics, all that kind of nonsense, whatever. Religion is great, whatever. Um, and we, we, we don't know, we don't understand how to give uh, expression to our Complaint, But the Bible makes it very clear, especially as you go through the book of Psalms, that God encourages us to come to him and to place our frustrations at the foot of the cross, our tensions, our pain, our anger, our deep resentments. Why am I whispering? God wants us to place them at his feet because it is God and God alone, not a counselor, not a pastor, not even your helpmate, your spouse. It is God alone that can bring resolution to the tensions in your heart and mind. So it's important that we direct lament right. What I'm talking about here is what we're all kind of involved in, how we, we take complaint and we, it, it, it somehow lies outside the range of directing it to God. So complaint is, and I just wanted to define it here really quick, is a negative assessment of life. It's essentially an accusation that God is not good and he can't be trusted. It's not just a minor thing where you start complaining through life, even about little things. I've realized in, in my experience, the complaints have a root system in me that I'm not just complaining that I have 17 chickens right? or I have seven kids or I'm tired, or I'm exhausted. I have realized that many of my complaints have a root system that goes back to, God, I thought you loved me. I, I thought you were gonna give me everything I needed to get through this season, right? And there's a thousand different ways that, that complaining can manifest in our life. But complaining is a failure, please hear me, to recognize the evidence of God's goodness in your life. Complaining then leads to the comparison game. This is why it's important that we address complaining because it leads to the uh, comparison game. If, if you have a negative assessment of, light, of life, you have a mindset that's rooted in a lack of trust in God, you inevitably open the door to comparing yourself with other people. This is why social media is a good thing, but also a wicked thing. Can I get an amen to that? You go online, 
right? You check out what everybody's doing. And some of you, you like it because it makes you feel better about yourself. Why? Because you're comparing yourself in relation to somebody you think you're better than. And it turns that comparison game turns into pride. And then you think you're the whatever, you know? And then there's some of you, you go online and you start to compare yourself with other people. And what happens? You think they're better than you. And it leads you into a, a mindset of chronic dissatisfaction or a sense of inferiority about yourself. Again, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze us, but it's important that we break the power of comparison in our life. The Bible says it is not wise to compare yourself. God has made you, you and me, me. And all of your idiosyncrasies, all your nuances, everything that makes you you, some of you are tall, some of you are short, some of you are bigger, some of you are smaller, some of you have incredible gifts. All of us have incredible gifts. That was the wrong way to say that. We have nuances, we have particularities, we have idiosyncrasies. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that God stitched you together. And what makes you you, he designed you to be who you are for this time and this hour and this moment. And what happens is when we start to compare ourselves with other people, we lose sight of how God has uniquely made us. And we start to focus on what we're not. Here's the thing. God will judge everyone in this room with grace and wisdom when it's all said and done. And his judgment, I believe, will revolve around this question. Were you the you that I made you to be? God's not calling you to be Moses or Keegan or Pastor Kelly or Paul. God is calling you to be the person that God's called you to be in light of his son, Jesus, as you are created or as you are fashioned into the image of Christ. So complaint leads to the comparison game. Complaint leads to this perpetual sense of dissatisfaction in our lives. This is consumerism. We view what we have in negative terms. We had that jacket last year and it gets a little bit old. So we want a new jacket, right? We got the shoes last year, but now there's, I like that person's shoes. I want those shoes. You hearing me? This unbridled sense of greed, what we call just like, I want it, but it's actually greed. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't have nice shoes. I'm not saying you can't have nice clothes. What I'm saying is you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know? Right, you gotta check your heart because if your heart is in this constant state of perpetual dissatisfaction because you just always want more and more and more and you're never satisfied with the good things that God has given you, it leads you away from the purposes of God. And this leads to, and I, I just, and I'm almost done here with this, this thought. I believe this. I've talked to many of you. Many of you wake up in the morning and you just feel like you're at the bottom, right? You just, you feel like you're starting with nothing. Many of us feel like we're starting with scratch when we wake up. We're behind. We don't have enough. We're exhausted. And yet I think much of that is connected to living from complaint and protest that lies outside of God's goodness. So what's the answer? You guys with me this morning? The answer is simple. And yet it's profound. God has called us to give thanks as a rhythm of the kingdom of God. If complaining can rewire the neural pathways around distortions and lies, thankfulness can rewire your brain around the goodness of God. This, I, hey, I'm not a musical guy, but I like this because it, it makes sense to me. Thanksgiving tunes you into the spiritual rhythms of grace. Psalm 100 says this. I'm going to read this really quick. Verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse four, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Verse five, why? For the Lord is good. Mm. His steadfast love or his said endures 
forever and his faithfulness or his amet to all generations. Wow. That's expansive. From generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. God, sorry for shouting today, but I feel this. God is faithful. His steadfast love endures throughout every generation. His steadfast love, his, his loyal commitment to us. His love, steadfast love, if you really dig into it, is God's loyal commitment to people that do, are not worthy of his loyal commitment to them. God remains loving to his people generation after generation after generation after generation. And how we enter into the presence of God, and I think many people struggle with this, encountering the presence of Jesus, is because we are, and I'm just going to say this, is because I think we live from a complaint and not from a thanksgiving. I think many people struggle with encountering the presence of God is because our mindset has been so warped by negativity and distortion and lies. We don't know how good God is. And when we begin to see who God is, our hearts become receptive. Our hearts open up to the living, saving presence of Jesus. And it automatically leads into a life of thanksgiving. Colossians 3 says this, Paul commands thanksgiving. And he says, I want you to have the peace of Christ, which will rule in your heart. And then he says, be thankful. Thanksgiving for Paul is not an obligatory prayer. It's not just something we do on holidays, one time a year, where we have really good turkey and cranberry salad and we watch a football game, you know? It's not just a jokey song, but Thanksgiving is a loving response to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords who loves us with an everlasting love. Thanksgiving Cuts the thread of negativity. Cuts it. Breaks it. It's power. Thanksgiving takes all the distortion and all the, the lies that interfere in our understanding of who God is and begins to set us free and, and help moves us into the living presence of Jesus. Thanksgiving when we begin to thank God, it's a rebuke of all the runaway chorus of thoughts that insists that God cannot be trusted. Thanksgiving challenges the spiritual boredom where we get bored with God and we get bored with church and we get bored with talking about Jesus loves me and we get bored with all the good things and we get bored with beauty and we get bored with breathing and we get bored with existence and we get bored with green grass and we get bored with snow and we get bored with all the good things in this world. Thanksgiving shatters all of that. And makes us alive. It's reality. You see, Thanksgiving gets you into touch with reality. You see, the way that I know that my children do not understand reality is when I, my wife and I bless them with good food and good presents, and I have to force them to say thank you. Like, I, I've been in a situation, I'm like, son, I'm going to... Give me back your present. <laughs> Why? Because you don't understand. I mean, I don't do that. This is totally a joke, right? But you don't understand the meaning of Thanksgiving. To be thankful is to be in touch with the goodness and beauty of God. Thanksgiving breaks the power of indifference, spiritual indifference in our lives, hard-heartedness, negative mindsets, oppression, demonic oppression, when we learn to say and to practice, thank you, not just on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come on, even on Saturday, and we do it all over again, Monday, even when it sucks, Tuesday, when things aren't going our way, we still thank God. When we learn on Wednesday that God is still in charge, even though it feels like nothing's in charge, and yet we still thank him, we enter into the kingdom of God. 
Thanksgiving, in other words, is the grammar. It's the dialect of the kingdom of heaven. You can't become fluent in love. You can't become fluent in the spiritual practices. You can't become fluent in the power of God, even in the miraculous dimension that God wants to make available to us if we do not practice giving thanks. So what is Thanksgiving? Really quick, it's really simple. Thanksgiving is a deep appreciation. It's a sense of wonder. It's a basic recognition of all the wonderful gifts of God in our life. Thanksgiving, the Greek word for it is Eucharist or Eucharisto. And Thanksgiving is telescoped around the promise of Jesus to his disciples. So let me just say this really quick. How do we understand Thanksgiving? Jesus on a Thursday before his death on a Friday came to his disciples and said, guys, I want you to do this. I want you to take this bread. I want you to take this wine. I want you to break the bread. I want you to drink the wine as remembrance of what I'm going to do on your behalf. So Jesus on Thursday gives them a model. Everyone say model. Gives them a model, a pathway on, on how to, to, to flow in the kingdom of God. So Jesus on Friday gives his life for the sake of the world. Here's the good news really quick, and this is why we're, we're thankful. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. Jesus gave his life for you and I. Jesus took the tensions and the deep frustrations and the pain and the sin and the frustration in our lives that we could never deal with. He took it into his body and through his death, the Bible tells us he released life, blessing, forgiveness, healing, hope, renewal of life. And then he was buried and then he came back from the dead. And now he is in heaven ruling all of time, all of space. And then he poured out his spirit on us. And now we gather together as a thankful response of what Jesus has done for us. So let me ask you this question here today. Is that enough? Is Jesus and his loving, saving death for us, his death for our life, his suffering for our forgiveness, his crucifixion for our hope and promise and renewed life, is that enough to be thankful? And here is the good news. Let me just say this really quick. The good news is not that Jesus enacted a new spirituality through his death, burial, and resurrection. The good news is that Jesus right now is the greatest authority over all things. Cancer is not higher than Jesus. Chronic debilitating sickness is not higher than Jesus, your flesh, your sin, that politician, that lack of money, what's going on in your family, that dysfunction, that mental crisis, or that scandal in your life or in your family is not higher than Jesus, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, you know what? When, when we truly understand the good news that there is only one authority, guys, there's not 15 or 35 or 50 when it comes to ultimate authority. Depression is not authoritative over you. It's if you are in Christ, it is King Jesus who has authority over you. And the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly places far above every principality and power, far above every sickness, far above every dynamic and force and everything that would try to come against you and your mind and your body and your family and everything that would try to say no to the purposes of God in you. It does not have authority over you. And here's the thing, if we're not careful, we just, we, we give our authority away. 
We listen to good podcasts and we should. Good pastors, they tell us good things. And we wait for the pastor or we wait for the podcast to give us a revelation. Or we wait for the pastor on Sundays. And he's, I heard he's a pretty good preacher. Or we, we wait for the worship team to give us our song, right? And all those things are good. But if we're not careful, what, what we fail to recognize that Jesus is the ultimate authority. And that if we're in Christ, we're not the bottom. We're at the top, seated in spiritually heavenly places. So not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you have authority. So if you're confronting some, someone or something on Monday that is causing you grief or anger or whatever, or causing you to get distracted from the purposes of God, can I just tell you, you have authority. No? Like, I know so many times, and I just got to share this, so many times I think we just wait for Keegan to get up and to move me, or Pastor Kelly to get up and preach the hell out of me, and we wait for other people, and those are good. We need good preaching, and we need good teaching, and we need people to lead us into the presence of God, but I just want to encourage you, the good news today is Jesus is Lord of all things and all people, and he's not just Lord on Sunday, he's Lord through throughout the week in your lived experience. I wish I could preach it better. But he's Lord over porn. He's Lord over that addiction. He's Lord over that disease. He's Lord over that restlessness. He's Lord over your boredom. He's Lord. He's Lord. It, it, it is interesting that the, the, the most sacramental element or feature in the life of following Jesus is the Eucharist. It's the communion. And what does that tell you? It tells you that Jesus does everything for us. And Eucharist means thanksgiving. Our faithful response to Jesus, which sets into motion life, victory, power, and authority is learning to give thanks. Not just one time. This, this is a really awkward service for me, but I'm just going to sit here until you say a more amens. Okay, okay. This is great stuff. Wow. Okay, no. But no, God, I mean, think about it. everything that God has brought into our lives. Please hear me, I'm not here to bring any sort of judgment, right? I'm just, I want us to be more open, more receptive, more willing to engage in Thanksgiving on Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And as we do that, I really believe that God will open the windows of heaven. Right? Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What does that even mean? What are we even talking about? We're talking about, that's temple tabernacle language. In the temple in the Old Testament, that was the place of God's presence. Heaven and earth collided, intersected in a, in a sacred moment in the temple. And what the psalmist is saying, we enter into the inner sanctum, into the holy of holies, into the throne room of grace by way of thanksgiving. So if you're struggling with encountering the presence of God and hearing his voice, I like to suggest as your pastor, it could be you have a Thanksgiving problem. That there could be a mindset that needs to be changed, rewired. There could be some graffiti in your thinking. Right? Pastor Ken always talked about stinking thinking, you know? It could be we have some pathological ways of seeing ourselves in the world that does not reflect how God sees us. I say this all the time, but what does it feel like to be wrong? It feels like being right. And many of us think we have these stories that we're telling ourselves and they're right stories. I'm this, 
I'm not that. I'm this and I'm not that. And you don't realize heaven is saying, no, you're not anxious. No, you're not that. No, you're not this. No, you're, you're not pro, your proclivity is not to that. Yeah, I know your grandfather did that, but you don't have to do that. I know you're going through this circumstance and you feel like forsaken, but no, I'm right here with you. I'm in the details of your life. And if we're not careful, we're saying and telling ourselves a radically different story than what God is saying over us. What Thanksgiving does is it demolishes and smashes the mindsets that keep us away from the presence of God. So as I said, Thanksgiving is an appreciation, a deep sense of wonder. It's a basic recognition of all the wonderful gifts that God has given to us. So here's the thing, as I close, how do we know when God is working in our lives? How, I'll say it even bigger. How, how can we, how many of you, I'll say this, okay, pastor moment. How many of you want to see God move in our city? Prayer is important to that, right? How we live our lives is important to that. But if you were to come to me and you, you, you were to ask, okay, how, how, how do we really believe and put into practice a revival that just, doesn't just affect our church and all of our families, which we want, but it, it spills out into the streets? How do we see that? Well, let me just say this real quick. Complaining, I'll say it this way. Your brain uh, wants, it's a, there's a neural mechanism that wants to mirror other people, which is to say activity is contagious. So we know this, I don't know this, the neuroscientists will tell you that complaining is contagious. It's like secondhand smoke. So when you come into someone's sphere and they're complaining, it's like they're just smoking. We're talking about smoking in church. Don't worry about the smoking part, all right? (laughs) Complaining can, you could just be in, in a zone and someone's complaining. And behind that, that negative mindset can seep into you. And then it, it, it begins to, it, it begins to uh, distort your thinking about yourself. You begin to assess reality in a negative way. And you're like, what? Why do I feel so weird? Well, it's called secondhand smoke. You were around somebody who was complaining. Yet, the good news is Thanksgiving is and functions in the same way. Just like complaining is contagious, Thanksgiving is the most contagious thing, which I bring this full circle. What if we as a family and people of God made a decision every single day to identify our complaints, bring them to King Jesus, and practice the art of thanksgiving, not just on a Sunday, but every single day. And we actually do it in such a way when we go to the grocery store, we are not cussing somebody out, but we're thanking them even though we certainly could cuss them out. Or instead of going to the restaurants and we just kind of give like a little tip, how about we give a big tip and blow people away and just say, hey, God bless you. I just want to let you know that God loves you. I just, I just had to, I'm going to give you more money, right? How do we create a spiritual environment that's filled with the power of God? You can't do it if we come to church with our crossed arms and we give into our feelings and we make the decision to have a negative mindset Monday through Saturday. The only way to really enter into, and this is just, this is for free guys. I I wasn't going to plan on speaking to this. The only way we can get into a move of God is if we open our hearts up to the beauty and goodness of God and we begin to thank him on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm gonna keep on doing this until I get an amen. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So why is this so important? I'm I'm almost done here. This is so important because human beings were made in the image of God. We're made to know, we're we're made to worship, we're we're made to serve creator God. Augustine said this, our hearts are restless until we find rest in God. The failure to thank God is the fundamental problem. Romans 1 gives us this graphic scene. People suppress the truth. The human condition outside of God is what? It's chaos. The human heart is a suppression of truth machine. 
In other words, the human heart is a propaganda mechanism. We convince ourselves of an untruth and unreality, and we deny and we ignore God. And then it goes into, again, this graphic portrayal of the human heart. This is all of us outside of Christ. It said, Paul says this about all of us before Christ, we did not know God, we ignored him, and then we did not give him thanks. And then it led to a twisted mind and a twisted heart, and it led to chaos. Let me just say this really quick. It's either Christ or chaos. You either get Christ or you will get nonsense. You get Christ or you get insanity. You get Christ or you will get crazy. You will get Christ or you will get absurd stuff. Can I get an amen to that? And here's the thing. The primary mechanism of chaos is ingratitude. They did not thank God. Hmm. So Thanksgiving as it's manifested in your life, is a sign that God is renewing you because you were made in the image of God to know him, to serve him. When we thank God, we can rest assured that God is at work in us. One, David Foster Wallace, he's an agnostic. He said this, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what we worship. And now said reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it Jesus or Yahweh or some wicked mother goddess or the four noble truths or some infragable set of ethical principles is that pretty much anything else that you worship outside of Jesus, he's not a believer, will eat you alive. Thanksgiving is about worship. Thanksgiving is about receptivity to the wonderful gifts that God brings us. Close. Simple story. Have you read Hiding Place? How many of you have read Hiding Place? Corey Ten Boone, if you haven't read it, I'm almost done here. Can you give me two minutes? How many want to give me four? Okay. All right. Corey, Corey Ten Boone, wonderful person. Her and her sister, Betsy. Everyone say Betsy. Nine, late 1930s, Nazi Germany invades Holland. They're Dutch Christians. Corey and Betsy. And so Nazi Germany takes over, I don't know, their particular town. Anyways, it's Corey's father and her family that starts to hide Jews from the Germans to protect them. So in, in that whole, the whole drama of, of doing that, they're found out. I don't know all the details. And so Corey and Betsy are sent to a concentration camp. And so Corey in her book, in her memoir, she states that they initially go to this concentration camp. They go to barracks, I think 28. Right next to it is another barracks. And this is her word. She said it was hellish. She said every single day she did not just hear the sounds of anger, but she heard the sounds of cruelty. She got to the point where she couldn't even handle it, just all the the barbarism and the hellish things that she could hear and that she would witness with her eyes. Right next to her barracks, she had to take her hands and literally put it over her ears. This happened for a couple months. They then transitioned her and her sister into Barrack 8. Everyone say Barrack 8. So they go to Barrack 8. They walk in and they crowd this place with a bunch of women. As they walk into this housing arrangement, it is infested with fleas, lice. So one day, Betsy gets out her Bible. She reads 1 Thessalonians 5, which we read. And it says, rejoice always, giving thanks in all circumstances. So Betsy turns to Corey and says, okay, um, we need to thank God today. Corey was like rendered nonplussed. She's like, say what again? Betsy goes, we need, we have a responsibility to thank God for his goodness. So Betsy, she starts to practice it. She goes, okay, I'm going to thank God that we have a Bible. We were able to smuggle this Bible into this barrack and the guards didn't see it. And now we can have conversation with each other about God's word. Corey then goes, okay, okay, I could do this. Because I thank God that we're all pressed, crowded together. We are hungry, but we now have an opportunity to share Jesus with all of these women. So they kept on 
thanking God for all of his goodness. Finally, Betsy goes, you know what, Corey? I think we need to thank God for the fleas, the lice in our hair, right? Corey's like, nope, not gonna do it, right? Now think about this, think about that. I can't even imagine, guys. This is hell. We, we have no, no way to comprehend what they went through. And they're thanking God in this situation. And so Corey goes, no, I can't, I'm not gonna do it. So Betsy's like, you know what, God said, we're gonna thank God for all things. Finally goes, finally Corey goes, okay, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank God, she reluctantly did it, for the fleas. For several weeks, um, they were praying together, they were reading the Bible together, they were sharing Christ to all of the women in their barracks. Many women gave their life to the Lord. And here's the crazy thing is, for over uh, a month, not one guard set foot into their barrack. And no one could figure it out. They're like, no one's coming in. So they, they, were, they had unfettered access to God's word in hell. And they were sharing Christ and praising God in hell. Finally, a guard one day stepped in. Betsy was not feeling feeling well, so she stayed in. She was knitting and she was reading God's word and she motioned to the guard, hey, come in. And the guard like looked in halfway, looked at Betsy and said, you know why we don't come in here? He goes, why? Well, because of all the fleas. Thank God for the fleas. What? So here's the thing. We don't thank God for cancer. We don't thank God for the bad things. We don't thank God for wickedness, but we thank God for the redemptive story behind it. We thank God that he could take the fleas, he could take the disease, he could take the bad situations, he could take all the dysfunction that's gonna happen this Thursday, right? When the Cowboys win, can I get an amen? And there's a lot of hate, you know? God could take all of that and redemptively move all of that stuff, the good, the bad, the hell, the ugly, and direct it towards his good purposes for your good and for his glory. Thank God for the fleas. And when we learn to thank God, not just for the good things, but even for the hard things, it opens our life up to the miraculous. It opens our life up to the goodness of God. It opens our life up to beauty, and guys, it destroys boredom. The reason why we're bored is because we're thankless. The reason why we're bored is because we got stony hearts. And we're bored with our own existence. Guys, you have breath in your lungs right now. If you understood how sophisticated your DNA is, you would be shouting me down because of how good God is. God is good. How do we, as I close, I, I went a little too long. Let me just say this really quick. How do we practice Thanksgiving? Just three things. Number one, we need to identify when we complain and then we direct it to God. God wants you to bring full vent to him. So in, in a place of confession, in a place of prayer, you take your frustrations, those resentments, you bring them to God. Stop verbal vomiting on your spouse and your kids and your neighbor and your coworker and going online because you're frustrated with something and you just hate on everybody else. Can I get an amen to that? Stop doing that. Direct it to God. I promise, I promise, an exchange will take place in your heart and mind. Two, almost done here. Start your morning with Thanksgiving and end your day with Thanksgiving. The way you can do this, the way that I've done this most of my life is you have to you gotta get the word of God in you. Thanksgiving doesn't make sense if God's word isn't dwelling richly in your heart. That was Colossians chapter three. Colossians three makes it very clear. The word of God and Thanksgiving are intimately tied up or wrapped up together. So what I do is I take chunks of, of scripture. I'll take Psalm 29, I'll take Psalm 100, I'll take Psalm 147, Psalm 136. I'll go to Galatians two. There's several passages throughout the New Testament that I've memorized because they remind me of the promises of God. 
And when I'm reminded of the promises of God in His goodness, it undercuts the logic and the feeling and the power of anger, resentment, and negativity. Number two, when you're giving thanks, be specific. What I loved about what Keegan did today when he was hosting, he thanked God for his shoes. Come on. Start thanking God for little things, specific things. Thank God for sunshine. Thank God for snow. Thank God for football. Thank God for phones. Thank God for your kids. Thank God for your spouses. Thank God for green grass. Thank God, for, I could keep on. Thank, what, what are you thankful for? Be specific with that. Specific gratitude always turns in, is transformed. I'll say this, is transformative. Finally, be tactile. My wife does this. She's an incredible uh, journaler. I'm not so much of a journaler, but what she does is she takes a page, and she's done this before, and she'll write on this particular page, she'll do one line, on the left side will be all the promises of God, and on the right side will be all the, some frustrations and things that, that she's wrestling with or whatever. And she just reminds herself of the good things of God. I think we gotta be more tactile like that. I think we gotta be more verbal with our thanksgiving. Not just think it in our heart, but get it out. Talk to people. Joel Connell, one of my closest friends, you know what I love about him? He will call me randomly and I have no idea what he's talking about. He just wants to tell me how thankful he is that day. He goes, he just called me this last week. He goes, Chris, I'm just thankful for Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for Christmas. I'm thankful for family. Click. I'm like, I love that guy, right? This is what we need to be more like. We need to be like my wife where she's just writing down specific gratitude um, statements and connecting them to the promises of God. When we do this, it becomes transformative. And everyone said, amen. amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. How many of you were blessed with this today? Okay. Father, I thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful gifts that you brought into our lives. Lord, I thank you now for, Holy Spirit, you would come, you would take this word, and you would do it a deep work in us. Lord, I thank you for the impartation of the Holy Spirit right now. I thank you that our hearts this week, but not just this week, as we go into 2024, as a community, as a body, the body of Christ, we will learn this practice of gratitude. Lord, I thank you that you would break the power of complaint in us. But our desire is to be healthy, vibrant followers of Jesus. So let an exchange, everyone say exchange. Let an exchange right now take place by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless every son and daughter in this room I thank you that you would, Holy Spirit, because your word does not return void, you would take this word and you would reshape, rewire us around your goodness, your steadfast love, and your grace. In Jesus' name. As your eyes are closed, you would say, Chris, I really struggle with complaining. And I realize it. And today, I just want to make a decision to direct my complaints to Jesus. And I, I, I'm opening my heart now, Chris, to what the Holy Spirit can do in creating a more thankful heart. I want to be open to the beauty of God. I want to be open to His transformative power. And I realize the pathway into His presence is thanksgiving. And if you're honest here today, you say you, uh, you struggle with really entering into the presence of God or hearing His voice. Could be that you have such a negative mindset, you couldn't hear God's voice. It could be that God is speaking to you. I know he is, but it's hard for you to believe that God is speaking to you because of some negative mindsets. Jesus wants to set you free today, if that's you. So if you say today, Chris, pray for me, that exchange would take place. I no longer want to direct my complaint away from Jesus. I want to direct it to God, and then I want to practice by the power of the Holy Spirit, thankfulness today. If that's you, could you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Thank you. Okay, all over the place. Thank you for your hands raised. All right, if you raise your hand, we're not going to do anything crazy. Take your hand, put it on your heart. I'm going to 
just release God's blessing over you. Father, I know we all could respond to this, but we just come to you and we just, we repent for engaging in complaint. Father, help us by the power of the Spirit to direct our complaints to you, King Jesus. I thank you that the calling of Jesus is a lifestyle of prayer. As we come to you in prayer, I thank you that you would teach us how to give full vent and then how to practice a heart of giving thanks. Father, I thank you for that exchange to take place right now with our hands on our heart. I thank you for the renewal of our spiritual vitality in Jesus' name. I thank you for the flow of the kingdom in our lives, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that we're gonna encounter your beauty, your goodness in fresh ways. In your name we pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.